Good morning or afternoon, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, Today's just a recap of some of the awesome insights you guys came up with in terms of the real world applicability of the text and human experience rubric. So how we can use this to explore our human experience. Now, this might sound like a philosophical rather than an English unit, but it's actually... um, they're actually inextricably linked because only when we understand our own human experience can we see the relevance of texts because otherwise they're just entertainment, really. If we cannot see our humanity in them or learn something about our human experience, then texts have no value. So only when we see ourselves or some aspect of ourselves mirrored back to us do texts come to life. And you'll need to understand this not only for understanding the crucible, but in unpacking your own related material as well. So some of the things we looked at in terms of what makes us, what Helena said, were deeply human, not just things that are human, like dying, because everything that lives dies, but things that are deeply, inextricably part of our humanity. So we talked a bit today about how humans struggle with the battle between our survival instincts and our morality. So we've got that back brain survival element, but also that sense of moral structure, which really affects our identity. And you'll definitely see this in the crucible. And when we're looking at human motivation and human behavior, you will often see a contradiction or a a battle, internal battle between what's morally right and what's beneficial from a survival standpoint. And sometimes a survival standpoint in the most literal sense, like it's trying not to die. And sometimes it's survival in a group, like social survival. So when we see humans, we see a myriad of contradictions based on the difficulty of navigating our mutually, sometimes mutually exclusive desire to to self-promote and to survive with our, with our moral fiber, our sense of ourselves as morally governed beings. So we'll talk about that in a lot more depth when we look at the crucible, but that was still one of the great insights that we came up with today as a class. I wanted to cement that in our podcast so it doesn't disappear. We also looked at the difference between thought and wisdom. So the difference between what we think, because the brain is actually a very spongy, plastic thing. We're very susceptible to persuasion. We're very vulnerable as part of our humanity. So we are predisposed to thoughts that do not necessarily mirror our, our sense of knowing. So we'll look at a lot of characters and how they represent the discrepancy between what is thought and what is known um, and what... And how fear can actually play into our belief systems. And again, this is so human. We don't see this mirrored in the animal kingdom. We don't see a we don't see them falling victim to any kind of mentality that's not in alignment with their with a greater belief system. This conflict between um, thought and knowing is a very human issue. Another thing we looked at today was language. We decided that language was not exclusive to humans, but our use of language is exclusive. Whilst other living beings might use language to communicate, which we certainly do as well, humans can use language to deceive, misrepresent, collude. So our use of language is actually unique to our species. Um, And I think that's a powerful thing, again, when we're looking at the crucible, because we're looking at not as a close study of text, but how we can see certain human phenomena animated and brought to life by the characters. So how do we see the human propensity to use language to mislead rather than communicate, to blur rather than clarify? So again, even in that is is a paradox. Language was invented to communicate, clarify, and and 
bring people together, but we see language is actually a powerful way to create division. We also looked at the different elements of humanity, like the the human, the flesh element um, versus the more moral or spiritual elements. And I think that comes back to a lot of that moral versus instinct. So we'll look at the human animal versus the human paradigm, the human as the intellectual, the philosopher, um, the human structure, largely socially defined versus the animal. And we see that particularly in the Abigail-Proctor dynamic. But again, we'll talk about that in more depth later. Um, We also talked about um, the balance of individual identity and the need for pack or clan acceptance. So we talked about humans as unique in the sense that we are a pack animal, like we are we do need a group just like other animals, but we don't identify purely as a member of that group. And that really distinguishes our species because when you look at, as we're talking about in class, when you look at something like even a wolf pack, they are not just part of the pack, they are the pack. Their identity is inextricable to the group. Yet we see in text and in life, group mentality dissolves under the will of the individual. So humans are innately complex because We function in groups, but our individuality is not always lost in it. And groups are complex because sometimes people assimilate and amalgamate into their group and become just the group. And sometimes individuality remains and changes the texture of it. Now, it sounds very abstract, but what we're essentially looking at is individual identity in its most fluid state. Because if some people can sacrifice their identity, like when we looked at that instance of Scientology, do they just become their group? Or do we maintain individuality as a dormant element of the group mentality that just never surfaces until there's some kind of shake? So we see the structure of the town or this village as previously quite a strong unit in the crucible. And we see how it shakes and the individual motivations and and um, deviations and will start to come to the surface. And they've actually been dormant the whole time. But this is a unique to the human animal. Our ability to function as a pack does not come at the expense in general, does not come at the expense of our individual identity. Whereas almost any other pack animal sees itself as inextricable from the pack. Whereas we manage to group together, but never be the same. Our sense of individuation happens at early childhood. We have a sense that we are separate to the people that we are around. And that separateness is arguably what causes conflicts when we put people in groups. So we'll look a lot at group mentality and um, the way that it affects identity and that domino flow on effect of, of, of thought, the way that a pack can function as this one collective brain, but can just as easily divide into separate schools of thought. So again, that's one of the contradictions, contradictions of our humanity. So we're looking at the the paradoxes, the inconsistencies and anomalies. So every time we develop a rule about how humanity, we have to break it because it's not true. On one hand, you can say human beings are all very individual, but then we function really well in packs. And then you can say humans work well in packs, but then there's always some aspect of individuality that can come and poison it, which is why socialism doesn't work, but that's a whole other podcast. Ben, I'll let you take that one. So what we're looking at is just a really... um, a really inconsistent model of humanity. So it's a bit of a rabbit hole. The further you go trying to define our humanity, the more elusive a definition comes. And that's the, that's the beauty of it. That's the inconsistency. That's the paradox. And that's the rubric. 
It's the parts of us that don't make sense. The linear and clean aspects of humanity, like the inevitability that we will die. And um, that's all fairly solid. Everyone agrees with that. It's the parts that are confusing. That's where the, that's where the texts lie because it's our contradictions that make us interesting. That's why, um, as Alex was saying, we kind of hate to love a villain because they represent our shadow self, or as Jung would say, our anima. It's the, it's the inconsistency against our model of goodness that is so appealing to us. So we'll look at that a little bit more when it comes to Abigail. So, um, to just try and keep in mind when we're looking at human experiences, we're not looking at the clean ones. We're looking at things that make us complex. So for instance, if we're looking at survivor's guilt, that's an incredibly complex emotion. So say you narrowly escape a near-death experience and other people around you die. The relief you feel is inconsistent with your investment in other people's welfare. And then you feel guilt over your own relief because we're full of contradictions. We're full of the drive to connect and feel compassion, but also to survive. We try and balance out our selfishness with our altruism, our compassion with our self-preservation. And in every rule we make for ourselves, you will find an inconsistency. That's why we all love a villain and are secretly in some ways repulsed by a hero because they are, they are what we are not and the villain are, is what we could be. Um, so through text, we can explore the shadow parts of the human experience, the ones that we might shut down um, in social contexts in order to be, well, functional really. Um, this all sounds very abstract, I realise, and I know the conversation we had in class today was very abstract, but I think it will start to come to light when we look at real examples of this in texts. So all I want you to do right now is just to marinate on what we're talking about in terms of the very complexity of our human experience, that we are not all bad. Because a lot of people say, oh, humans are stuffed, you know, there's no hope for us. Humans are some of the most creative, compassionate, um, ingenuous, amazing creatures on the planet and in some ways the most destructive and the most brutal. They're the ultimate example of beauty and brutality combined. But that's what we're looking at, that we're not one or the other, that we are both in existence at all times, that there is always darkness and always light in coexistence in each human. So when we look at characters, I want you to think, are they a real human or are they an archetype? Do they illuminate our human experience or do they hyperbolize the, the elements not explored in conventional society? So just try and make real life connections to what you understand the human experience to be. And this isn't just our human nature, it's how it manifests in behavior. So we talked a bit about emotion today. Yes, jealousy is a human emotion, but how does it manifest? Yes, love is a human emotion, but how does it manifest? How does it shape our human experience and the way that we interact with the world and with the environment? So... I hope that clarifies or perhaps blurs some of the things we talked about in class today. If you're hearing things on this this podcast that either A, don't make sense to you or B, you want to add something to, please put it on the social forum. I will always write back. Hopefully your classmates will write back too. You guys are pretty good communicators. So start to talk about it. You can talk about it in reference to the crucible. You can talk about it in reference to your related material, but my hands are a bit tied in terms of what I can say there. Or you can just talk about it in the general philosophical sense. Where do we see the paradoxes of humanity? Where do we see the inconsistencies? 
Even the talk we had about 9-11 today, we're looking at a lot of paradoxical emotions, paradoxical reactions. Um, the human entity and their experience of the world is so rich because it's not clean. So it's really a perfect um, study as well if you do want to practice your discursive writing because there's a lot to explore and it's very hard to persuade one way or the other. So have a go at your more um, explorative writing styles. So um, as with the end of every podcast, I'm going to give a shout out so I know you're listening. Um, This podcast shout out is to Liam. So hi to Liam. Okay, so tune in next time. I might start introducing the podcast with a song. If it's Taylor Swift, I apologize in advance.